Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Sophie with my weekly podcast. Hope everyone's doing well. Last week, we talked about suicide prevention, and we had really some great questions and some really powerful and upsetting questions, but I think we got a lot of really good information from the suicide prevention people they were on, and uh, we tweeted them, and they're just full of great resources for anybody who's in any kind of a situation with suicide, whether it's themselves who's feeling that way or they have a family member, friend, or someone that they are connected to in some way and really needed some direction on what to do, how to handle it, how to help that person, but not get into a place where you don't know what to do because many people get scared by it and they get frightened. They try not to deal with it, but I think it's something that we have to deal with and I think that we have great resources out there and that was the most comforting thing to understand. And Take a listen to it because you'll get some great information, places to go for questions, answers, resources, and ways to help yourself or anyone else who may be suffering with those thoughts of wanting to hurt themselves or actually have attempted to or planning to. So that was suicide prevention. But this week we're talking about something that I'm sure is plaguing everybody on some level, whether you've had this issue or you're going to have this issue or maybe you're even having this issue. And it's really all about dating and really the issue of how do you know if somebody is good to marry? And how do you know if you should continue dating somebody that may not feel 100% correct for you or that you're not having a positive outcome every time you meet with them or you hang out with them or whatever it is that you're doing, but you don't really want to give up either because maybe there won't be somebody else behind them or maybe that's just as good as it gets. So today we're going to talk to a couple different experts to get an idea and a sense of who is the right partner, how do you pick that partner, when do you call it quits, what should a date feel like and what should a date not feel like? So stay tuned and we're going to talk about dating. So give me a call, 1-855-SOPHIE-NOW or 1-855-767-4966. Every caller will receive a free signed copy of my book, Side by Side, the Mother-Daughter Conflict Resolution Book. And who doesn't have that issue if you're a mom or a daughter? We're talking about dating and potential partners. Are they good? Who are they? How do you pick them? When do you give up? When do you get new ones? How do you know if you should marry that person? So stay tuned. 1-855-SOPHIE-NOW or 1-855-767-4966. So when we're talking about dating, we're going to be asking questions kind of like, you know, how do you know if you should be dating somebody? Are they, are they the right person for you? How do you know really what the future is going to be like? Do you bring up on a date how many kids did you want to have or do you bring up all of those issues? When do you bring them up? Do you ever bring them up? Those are the kinds of things I want to talk about today because I think many people get stuck on the fact that they just either are in a panic and they feel they need to be married quickly or they don't know what to do and they they kind of like the person. They don't know if they're in love with the person. They don't know if they just love the person. I think it's really a very confusing place to be, especially as you get older. And that's another thing. Like, what does that mean? Like, am I too old to get married? Am I, you know, in a panic because I better get married quickly? Or, you know, my mom and dad, they got married really young. So I want to ask a lot of those questions today. And I'd like to hear from you guys at one eight five five sophie now or one eight five five seven six seven four nine six six. Tell me what you think. One of the things I want to know, and I'm going to ask these experts today, is sex. I mean, what if sex isn't so great from the very beginning? Does it get any better? Can it get any better? Should it get any better? Because that's a that's a big concern. Because if you're not starting off where you should be, I think we're in some heavy duty trouble. But maybe I'm wrong. So we'll check today. Joining me is one of uh, my special guest experts, Janice Spindel. Janice is a former fashion executive and accomplished entrepreneur. 
She'll have to explain to us what that means, but has been successful in any business that she touches, they say. Prior to becoming Cupid on the Call on the world's power elite, Janice was the proprietor of the retail chain Mommy and Me and the place for fashionable moms and their kids in New York area to probably get stuff. We'll have to find out what that stuff was. And now is the president and founder of Janice Bendel Serious Matchmaking, Inc. Janice specializes in pairing up well-educated, attractive, upscale, single professionals all over the country. So I want to talk to her today. She's been all over the media. She's uh, been on Dr. Phil, The Today Show, ABC Nightline News, 60 Minutes. You name it, she's been there. But I want to talk to her about a lot of stuff today. Janice, are you with me? I'm with you. How are you? I'm well, and how are you? I'm fine. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So you're a matchmaker. I am a matchmaker. Pretty neat. Scary but true. Pretty neat. Tell me about that. What is it? What is it? A matchmaker, in my mind and in my business, is somebody who has an uncanny sixth sense, a gift for gab, owns the minds of men, and puts people together to get them married. Interesting. And, And you just go with your gut? I go with my gut, and my gut has been right 994 times. Wow, good for you. What What's, like, guiding you? You know, I'm not sure. I basically think that I am somewhat clairvoyant. It just premonitions or flashes, as I call them, yeah. just sort of come to me. It's the weirdest thing in the world. It's just like a name comes across my head like a bolt of lightning. And it's somebody you don't know? No, 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 no. So no, these no. are your Definitely people. Somebody that I know. My clients are the men. Right. They're from all over the world. They range from twenty-seven to seventy-eight, and they're basically well-educated, well-groomed, upscale professional, preferably non-smoking, athletically inclined, but most important, commitment-minded single men who are looking for love in all the wrong places, and they outsource me to do the editing for them. What is a commitment-oriented man? Describe that to me. Someone who's looking for a monogamous, committed relationship that is either a significant other or marriage. And why do you think most of these men have had problems? Well, I, men as a rule, it's part of their DNA, Be kind. tend to pick the wrong women. Men are very visual, very superficial, and very shallow, I might add. They're animals. They are, and they're clueless, and they don't necessarily think sometimes with their brain. And if they're picking with their eyes, it's usually the wrong woman. And they end up staying in a relationship too long because they're comfortable and they don't want to be out there. And, you know, it could be possible that, oh, my God, she's gorgeous and, oh, my God, the sex is great. Well, that's just great. But you know what? She's 35. She has two small children. You're in your 50s. Your children are grown. That's not the right woman for you. So why are you wasting time? You have three strikes against you. So tell me something. I have a couple patients who will say to me, I can only go out with, like, the hottest woman. She's got to be gorgeous. And... I don't even think they take the time to, like you're saying, to see if their head is connected to their heart and if they're really into this relationship. It's just all their eyeballs. Correct. Why are they doing that? Because they're men. Yeah, I get that. their DNA. But do you think it's also because they have issues with commitment or intimacy or not? Well, clearly the men that I deal with do not have commitment issues because they wouldn't be retaining me for my services to find them the love of their life if they were commitment phobic. Right. I think they're basically very busy guys, which is why they're very successful. 
and they don't have the avenue of where to meet someone. Because if you really think about it, most people, when they fix people up, they fix people up because he's single, she's single, you know, he's Christian, she's Christian, or he's Jewish, she's Jewish. He has a pole, she needs a date. He wears pants, she wears a skirt. Let them go out and have a good time. Right. And it's not even close to what the guy's type could be. I mean, he could be six foot four and she could be five foot one, and that's just not a match. And they could be, there's just, it just doesn't work. And so at the end of the day, I think that there is nowhere feasible for men and women to really meet quality people unless it's random. Or unless it's through an introduction. I mean, look, when you get over a certain age, you're surely not going to go to a bar or a club and think they're going to, you're going to meet the man or woman of your right. dreams. Or you shouldn't be going there. No, exactly. Nowadays, people outsource people who are really good at what they do to do it for them. And right. that's basically what I do. I mean, I run Wall Street's Cupid office, and I have some kind of a uncanny sense to just, I can sit across the table from a man, whether he's 27 or 78, and I can tell him what his type is and what he's looking for. And it's the weirdest thing in the world. I'm always right. And do you think that in that innate sense, there is the breakdowns of, you know, you're looking at how they are, their emotional status. You're, you're looking at a lot more than it, it seems than you're looking at. Yes. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 plus years, so I pretty much can do it in my sleep. I have it pretty much down pat in terms of what men and what women do wrong. Okay. What would you say they do? Men or women? Both. Let's start with the men. Well, you know, men are very simple. You deliver what they're asking for. I call it the four Bs. It's beauty, brains, body, and balance. And then you leave the rest up to chemistry in the universe. Men don't want a woman, and for that matter, also, women don't want a man that's needy. The word needy does not cut it. High maintenance, drama queens, this is just not what men want. And a lot of women are very needy, needy with the texting, needing with the phone calling, needy. They have to see you all the time, and don't, you know, don't get me wrong, men are as needy, some of them. And women don't want guys that are needy. So at the end of the day, I sort of listen very clearly to what men are looking for, and I'm on a simulated date with them, so I'm really paying attention to how they treat me, how they treat the waiter, their manners, are they on their phones, are they drinking, do they get up when I go to the bathroom, do they offer me a drink first, are they putting on my coat, I mean, are these gentlemen, are these... Are these men realistic with their expectations of what they're looking for? Do I feel that they're emotionally available? I mean, I'm really dissecting what's going on in their soul, in their heart, in their mind, and trying to spread love around the world, which is clearly what I'm doing. Good job. But tell me, what if you find somebody that isn't meeting, like, really great criteria as a gentleman, as a kind, you know, focused person? Do Do you nail them or you don't take them? I don't take them. I mean, if I think I can help them, I'm in the midst now of helping somebody, and whoa, is this a project? Yeah. Whoa, is this a project? Because there's a lot of roots to that stuff. Um, yes, and I have an entire entourage of therapists, trainers, hair salons, makeup artists, hair plugs, cosmetic dentists, cosmetic dermatologists, whoa. you name it, from if, head to toe. I've you... redone people, or I should say I've outsourced people who are good at what they do to do it for me, for my clients. But when do you get to the point where you say, look, dude, you need too much work, you got to go? Then I just walk away. 
And you tell them that? I would say it's a case-by-case situation. I mean, I had one man who, whoa, was really a piece of work. He had just sold a company that he built. He was completely uneducated. He did not have manners, forgetting about the fact that his manners were poor. He didn't even know how to cut a steak. And he was looking for an Ivy-educated banker. And I said, excuse me? No, I don't really think that's going to work. I said, Ivy-educated people are looking for very, very smart intellects as well as Ivy-educated people also. And a banker is not going to want someone like you. I mean, just because you sold a company for $20 million and you have money doesn't mean you can call the shots. Exactly. I mean, it is, it is a man's world out there notwithstanding the fact that there are 2 million more single women in every major hub in the United yeah. States. So men get to pick, and it's unfortunate for women. But if women don't put their best foot forward, and if they're not feminine and confident and really awesome, I hate to say it, but they're going to be alone. I and I'm just the messenger. I got it, I got it. I have another question. What do you do if you have a guy who's got like really all the good inside things, but he's just not that good looking. Do you tell him? Do you make him over? Do you trash him? Well, describe really not that good looking. I mean, is he ugly? Is he short? Is he bald? Is he well dressed? Does he have a you know a nice? There's no physique? sex appeal to this man. Oh, I've got lots of those. Yeah, what do you do with them? Uh, you try and help them. You try and advise Ow. them that they have to have an edge. And I will set them up with my dating consultant, who obviously goes out on a date with them before they're matched. And you try and do the best that you can. So you like do a? Do you ever do like a queer eye for the straight guy kind of thing? Uh, yes, all day long. Uh oh, what does that look like? Um, actually, she just did one last. Friday night, I believe, the guy that I'm uh, putting culture into and dragging him around and taking him out so he has things to talk about on dates. And is it working? It will. We just went out Wednesday night. We went to the theater. My dating consultant was with him Friday night. I was with him um, Wednesday night. We went to dinner in the theater, and I'm going to be with him again next week. It's probably like a six-week crash course. And he knows. You know, and he said to me, I said, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to meet women first, or do you want to wait until you feel that you have passions and interests and hobbies and things to talk about and things to say? He said, no, 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 I want to wait. I'm too nervous. You know, if a woman asks me a question, I don't have enough to talk about. I don't have any interests, blah, 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 blah. And I said, okay, no worries. Do you ever get into discussions with them about if they are angry or some, with somebody on a date or how to handle their emotional sides of themselves from a dating perspective? I don't really find a lot of that. I mean, anger, I don't take. Rude, I don't take. You know, it really depends on what the issue is. I mean, I really have to say that I want a substantial, smart, funny, kind gentlemen. I mean, if he's good looking, it's a plus, 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 obviously. But just because he's good looking doesn't mean that he's not a jerk. Right. I had a guy lie to me. I, I'm still Ooh. in a state of shock. What did he uh, lie four about? years. Wow. Good looking, but I mean beyond good looking. Sweet, sexy, well-dressed. I mean, a real, like, real George Clooney type. And I fixed him up with a girl, and yeah. she's madly in love with him. And they've gone out two or three times for very long, fabulous dates. Yeah. And she said to me, you know, he's 50. And I said, excuse me? And she said, he's 50. I said, no, he's not. She said, he's 50. He told me he was 50. 
And I said, no, he's not. He's 46. And I do background checks on men. Yeah. And I have their driver's license and their social security numbers and such and for, uh, you know, right. to do the background yeah. check. And the long and the short of it, she was obsessing on it. And she said, no, he told me. And I said, okay, okay, I got to deal with this. And I left him a message yesterday. And I said, I just have a question for you. Call me right back. And he calls me back and I got him on the phone. I said, I have a quick question. How old are you? And he said, I'm in my late forties. Why? And I said, I'll ask you one more time. Maybe you didn't hear me. Yeah. How old are you? And I started revving my voice up. And he said, 50. And I said, what did you just say? And he said, 50. And I said, 50? When mm-hmm. did you turn 50? And he said, October. And I said, oh, you mean you're about to be 51? And he said, uh, yes. And I said, you told me you were 46. When I got your driver's license number, you read it to me. I didn't doubt you, so I didn't ask to see it. And he said, well, obviously, I don't look my age. That's why I don't tell people how old I am. I said, no, 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 no. You're not getting it. I said, there are three things in my book that are complete deal breakers, non-negotiables. Lying, stealing, and cheating are out of the question. Good for you. And I went ballistic on him. What happened? And he said, well, I dropped him. Oh, wow. I dropped him. Number one, he breached his contract because he lied to me. And he said, well, what happens now? And I said, you know what? I'm really busy now, and I have meetings and a lunch to go to. I said, you make me sick. I said, what would you do if I introduced you to a girl who looks 28 or 32, but she's actually 42 because this actually happened with him? I, and I didn't want to mention any, don't want to mention any names, but right. I said to him, let's take her as an example. And I said, what would you do if you were dating her for a month? And then all of a sudden, you found out that she was 42. And he said, well, obviously I wouldn't date her anymore because I want to have children. And I said, but you don't understand. You're missing the entire point of this conversation. You lied. Right. I don't like liars. Lying is unacceptable. You're disgusting. I don't care how young you look. That's my job that you should not have lied to me. And then I would have made a judgment call on what age to fix you up with and whether or not I was to tell the women your age. But I told women you're 46. And that's my business, my integrity, and my word that I gave. And now you're telling me you're 50? Like, are you kidding me? You know, 31, 33 for 50? Sorry, right. you're an old man. But do you see, though, There's that's probably a psychological issue within that guy that, you know, came out that way, but is probably innate that there's a character flaw with him. I mean, I definitely agree with you and see where you're coming from, but unfortunately, in my expertise, the whole lying about age, I mean, people, 30% of the people online are married, women lie about their age and their weight, men lie about their age and their height when they're online sites. Right. So people that don't look their age can't get past the age that they are. Right. You know, whether there's a 50 or a 5 in front of it or a 60, you know, there are men that are 59 forever. There are women that are 49 forever. I get that. Trust me, I get that. My age is unlisted. To say the least, some people's ages are just a number, but mine is unlisted. And, you know, it's a tough thing to say if you're a good-looking, smart, successful guy and you've never been married and you want to date a younger woman and start a family. I get that, but that doesn't mean what he did is right. Absolutely. And I won't put up with it. Absolutely. Good for you. All right. So I want to bring on our other guest expert, and then we'll take some uh, voicemails from some of our callers. Dr. Betjen, are you there? Yes. 
How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. You're a licensed MFT, marriage family therapist, and certified sex therapist. Yeah. Ooh. Does that mean you watch people having sex or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Those days are over. All right. I just send them home to do their own exercises. Good job. You're on the phone with Janice Bindell, and she's from New York, and she is a matchmaker, basically. Is that correct, Janice? That's correct. A matchmaker and an author. So, Stephen, tell me a little bit about what you do. You're in, you're write a column in the Ladies' Home Journal? Oh, I, I contribute to Candace Marriage to Be Saved, specialize in couples and sex therapy issues, and I, uh, a clinical professor at Jefferson, uh, Thomas Jefferson University, where I supervise graduate students and postgraduate students in the same thing. So, and I write about it. Janice does matchmaking, which is a different way of dealing, I guess, and she puts couples together. You deal with couples after they're together and having problems, or do you ever do the upfront work, too? Well, there's not a big market for premarital counseling, unfortunately. I, I don't think people, in my experience, want to hear any kind of bad news before they start out with their fantasies. So uh, I mostly see people after they've had problems, and unfortunately, again, in marital therapy or couples therapy, uh, people treat it a little bit like um, crisis intervention. They don't get the things on, you know, when they should, and so things are pretty, pretty far along by the time I see them. Okay, and, but Janice, you get to, I think when you were explaining to me, you have such really clear criteria for the people that you'll take on that you're almost guaranteed they're going to work, correct? Absolutely, because my fees separate the men from the boys, and right. they really weed out what I call the riffraff. And so your success rate is very high. My success rate scares me. It's about almost 98%. And success to me is obviously a committed relationship or marriage. Now, Stephen, you see it after, after it doesn't work out, and I don't know, you know what that started out to look like for these people, but... What do you think about the fact that people put together like this? Do you ever see any of that kind of stuff that have come from a matchmaker that didn't really work out or there was no real psychological piece to their coming together? It's Janice's gut feeling and her ways to put people together based on her history and experience. Well, I, I have a different kind of theory about uh, how people match up. It's some, I believe it's somewhat controversial. Uh, I do get to see couples that have met online, on online dating sites and through matchmakers. But again, uh, by the time they, they get to me, they're usually having some kind of difficulty. And it varies. Some of them are in really, really bad shape and just about finished. And some of them are, you know, just kind of in the middle of things. I, I rarely get people that kind of come in and say, hey, you know, we, we just like to polish this thing, thing up a bit. It, generally, it's pretty good, but we just want to make it better. I mean, I, you know, I don't see too much of that. But my, my theory is that um, we really don't pick, consciously pick people to match up with. I really think that that's all done on the unconscious level. I believe that, um, that it's almost uh, determined, and uh, we really don't have a whole lot of say in the matter unless we have a great deal of insight. So you're saying it goes by how you feel when you're on a date with somebody more than anything, even if you pick somebody that you visually think is going to be right for you or turns you on or whatever? I think that there are things, let's say, if you're looking at online dating, there are things in a profile that um, you'll look at and will just register with you on an unconscious level. On the conscious level, you know, you could say, well, this person's attractive, this person is, you know, the kind of height I like, the kind of weight I like, the kind of profession I like, and that's all well and good, uh, and those things are important. I'm not negating sociological variables. 
It's just that I believe on a deeper level where we see something either in the profile or after we meet them, they might move a certain way or say a certain thing or something that registers with something internal that we have, and that's what really pulls us toward these people. Uh And it'll do it almost every time. I liken it to Count Dracula looking in your eyes and kind of hypnotizing you and sweeping him off to to his sweeping you off to his lair. I really think that it has that kind of magnetic power, uh, and we don't even really realize it. And that's in part why we replicate um, mistakes, k- mistakes, and and finding the same person over and over again. They might be taller, thinner, fatter. So that that's why maybe Janice is a good place to be because she. I don't think you let them see a profile, do you, Janice? Absolutely not. Because of that the reason, men probably. are my clients. So the men get to see the pictures. Hello, men right. are visual. I could never match anybody or give a phone number without getting the photo. Right. First thing out of their mouth. Right. And they get to see profiles. Women, not only do they not see profiles because of privacy reasons, because of the power and the celebrities and the public figures that I deal with, women don't get last names because, to be honest with you, I don't want anybody Googling anybody and falling in love for the wrong reason. Right. So and they that, don't get last names, and they usually don't get ages. So they would be, if they Googled, it would be like sort of looking at a profile and doing what Stephen's saying, maybe unconsciously getting connected to something that triggers in them. <laughs> yeah, it's called money. Yeah, money, looks, whatever. <laughs> Tell me one thing before we take a voicemail. Now, Janice and I were talking, Stephen, before you got on the phone about, you know, people, men who she deals with, if they lie about their age or women lie about their weight or whatever. What do you think about that when people aren't forthcoming with those kinds of things? Are they indications of anything, character flaws, issues? What do you think? Well, I think they're, they're an indication of something. I'm, I'm, I won't go as far as to say a character flaw. I mean, I mean the whole thing is a bit of a game anyway. Uh, I don't think that somebody who necessarily tax on five years or tax takes off five years is going to be like a, a horrible mate. I, I think, again, you know, what will really, it's not a good start, but I think that somebody who's looking for a liar will be attracted to a liar, for example. You know, the funny thing is, Stephen, you're 100, 110% right. It's not a good start because you say to yourself, and especially if people are meeting online, you say to yourself, hmm, wow, he lied about his age, she lied about her age. What else are they lying about? Right, what else? And right. then you enter the process with maybe a trust issue. But that being said, it doesn't necessarily mean they are a liar. They're a liar about their age. You don't know if they're just a liar as a character flaw. Right. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. And so what do you do? You just ride it through a little bit? Well, it really depends. I mean, I'm really beside myself with this issue that I have with this one client, and I haven't decided yet what I'm going to do with him. I mean, I think I'm going to drop him. Clearly, I haven't heard from him because he's mortified and embarrassed because I went ballistic on him. Right. You know, I, I just don't know. I mean, I'm all about finding love and making people happy, and yet, you know, he's a good guy. He's family-oriented. He's... He's a good guy. He's just insecure, as most men are, about their age. And he lied about it. And he lied. Hey, let's take a voicemail from some callers. Hold on, guys. Hi, Dr. Sophie. This is Greg. I have a question about um, dating, a pretty uh, quick question. I'm curious to get your thoughts on first impressions and how important those are to the future of the relationship. And then kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum, um, how many dates does one need to go through to have a good feel for whether the person is really right for them. Because sometimes I've been on dates where the first few dates are 
really kind of slow and, and uncomfortable and don't work, but then things will, um, will kick in later. I'm not sure that everybody will give it to date number five or six to figure things out. They may give it to date number two or three, and then they're, uh, and then they're over with the situation. So thanks for your advice. Bye. Janice, what do you think on that? I would say my rule is three strikes and you're out. So three days were First done. First dates, people are very nervous. They could have had a bad day. I mean, who knows what the reasoning is. If the second date, I always say go out a second time. That's my rule. If the second date is better than the first, then I obviously suggest a third date. If you're iffy after the first date, you know, I just don't know if there was any chemistry. I just don't know if she was my type or I just don't know if he was my type. And you go out a second time and the second time is really, you know what, I know myself, this really isn't going to be long term. Then you make a judgment call Uh on if there's a third. But you're telling me that you go out up to five dates. Whoa, you're a trooper. Yeah. What do you think, Stephen? See, I've never really seen a bad match in my life. I mean, in 30 years of doing couples therapy, I've never seen a bad match. What do you mean? I've seen a destructive match, but I've never seen a bad match, meaning that people, I think people match up very quickly. I think that the the bar scene, for example, you can go into a bar to try to to meet somebody, and that unconscious uh, internal conflict is operating, and that's going to lock you into somebody and it's going to lock you very quickly. Now, you can have a fling with somebody, but in terms of it developing into a long-term relationship, I think that this thing is operating, and, um, and you're going to be attracted to that person. And I think that we know on some level within seconds uh, whether we're attracted. And it's, it's so incredible how we pick people with the same kind of conflicts we have. Right, but do you think that, Janice, do you think when you put people together – a lot of that stuff is what you're thinking about when you're on that initial consultation, getting to know that person in your thinking, and is that going to be a match? Well, at the end of the day, it all boils down to chemistry. And as we all know, chemistry is an intangible that nobody can account for. Men fall in love through their eyes. They're visual. Women fall in love through their ears. So at the end of the day, it's all about chemistry. You can have a hundred things on someone's list and check off every single one of them. Then they can get to the date and say, wow, Janice, when I got to her building, I sighed. I said, wow, this is my wife. Oh, my God, I'm done. And then they go out, and at a quarter to 12 at night, I get a phone call saying, I just can't pinpoint it. There was just no connection. We had zero chemistry. And it's like, what? Are you kidding me? You have to go out again. No, I'm telling you there was no connection. I tried for four and a half hours. I'm calling that that chemistry that you're talking about an unconscious conflict that isn't matching up. Because I, I hear that all the time from clients. You know, you've got to have, especially the people on these, these online dating sites, you've got to have chemistry. And I ask them, well, what is chemistry, though? And, and to me, chemistry is this, this thing that exists, this underlying thing that most people aren't conscious of, and that's what really pulls us. And if that's not there, it's just not going to happen long term. What do you think, Janice? Well, I agree. That's why I say chemistry. Yeah. But you can't – I always ask people – what is define chemistry? What does chemistry mean to you? And there is no answer because right. you know how I describe it? When I go out on my simulated dates with men, yeah. whether I'm at lunch yesterday with a really awesome guy who I connected with big time, or I go to dinner and you know what? No matter what, cold as a fish, I just can't connect with him. Right. Nothing I can say or do. And let me tell you, I can talk to a bug 
and get a bug to talk back right, to me. I'm sure you could. Definitely not my problem. <laughs> I have that feeling. <laughs> and sometimes for some of my clients who I do tend to socialize with and I choose to go out with and different things, there's more of a connection. There's an edge to them. For right. me, I have to have a banter back and forth with somebody in order for there to be chemistry. Right. And somebody... I need someone who's playful. And most women will say to me, I need an edge. I need a guy that has an edge. And do you think chemistry for some people, I guess, is the titillating feeling of being sexually turned on when they see somebody? Well, for men, again, not to be a repetitive messenger, but, but you it are. is what it is. Yeah. Men fall in love through their eyes. So for men, in order to have visual, physical chemistry, they have to be attracted to someone. As I said to this guy at lunch yesterday, you could be at lunch or at dinner with a woman who went to Stanford, went to Harvard Business School, went to Princeton, went to Penn, wherever, and the intellectual chemistry was off the charts. Like you were so enamored and so charmed by this woman, by her brain, that you didn't know what to do with yourself, and you had a four-and-a-half-hour dinner. But yet you had no attraction to her whatsoever, so you wouldn't be seeing her again. Right. Well, of course, because the woman had a great time, she thinks, oh, this was a great date, right. and then she never hears from him. Right. So that's a perfect example of intellectual chemistry. But again, men... <laughs> They're all about visual chemistry. And in order for a guy, perfect example, I fix up a Chicago guy with an absolutely amazing woman from Toronto. Right. Completely thought she was going to be his wife. And he proceeded to say to me, after spending three days with her over a weekend, all day, and dinners, I just didn't want to rip her clothes off. I didn't want to kiss her across the table. Just not, not no chemistry. I said, oh. I give up. And so that wouldn't, he wouldn't try? He didn't want to keep going? Well, I mean, he spent three days with her. And, and nothing, he, no, he nothing. didn't. And she really liked him. And I said, you sure you don't want to go again? And he said, no, I spent, you know, I spent quite a bit of time with her. And it's funny because it doesn't mean that she's not attractive because she is. And he said to me, it just didn't do it for me. And what do you think, Stephen? Is that just a chemical reaction in his brain that didn't happen? Well, I think that there's some, probably some underlying conflict that doesn't help him. I do believe in sexual attraction. I think it's very important. But I can tell you that a person can be sexually attracted to many people, but the person that he's going to really have a long-term relationship with, a, you know, a relatively healthy one, is somebody who has this similar kind of conflict. So they can run through lots of people who are extremely attractive, uh, but why do they choose one particular person out of all of them? Oh, tell me really what. Tell them. us what you mean by conflict. I believe that um, I, I liken it to um, kind of a duality inside of us. Uh, think of it as like uh, two politicians inside of you arguing a point, and you're not quite sure who to believe. It develops into a conflict. For example, let's say you grew up in a in a house where um, you get mixed messages about being successful in life. Uh, you can internalize a success versus sabotage conflict, I call that in my book. Uh, now, when you've got something like that, you have mixed feelings about being successful, mixed feelings about failing. So you would have to go out and find somebody who has the same kind of conflict. Because if you, if you have mixed feelings, you'd have to find somebody who you can feel comfortable with so they don't change you. If you go out and you find somebody who's purely successful, has no conflict about it, goes right to the top, 
they're going to raise your anxiety level through the roof, and you're going to reject that person. I don't care if that person looks like Jennifer Aniston. And so that's something that you're just innately feeling unconsciously, and it's guiding you. It's, it's amazing. I mean, somebody could just say a word or, or just say something about themselves or the way they move, and it triggers you know, the internal conflict in you when you say, that person's not right for me, or that person I'm crazy about. And you don't even know why. And what happens is when you get together and you, let's say you marry this person, you get into a long-term relationship, if the conflict then becomes unbalanced in the both of you, let's say somebody changes. Let's say that you both have the same success sabotage conflict, but somebody decides whether through therapy or through some kind of uh, life-altering event that they want to be purely successful. Right. Then they're going to push you beyond your limits and throw the conflict off. Got it. And then you're going to have relationship problems. Got it. And I see that all the time. And, and, and another controversial thing about my, my, my theory is that I don't really see men and women that differently. I know all about Helen Fisher's work and, and brain chemistry differences and hormonal differences. I know about John Gray's Mars Venus. You know, and I know there's a place for all this, but I've been doing this for 30 years. And, I, and when, I get to these, when I see these couples, when I delve into them on a deeper level, I find them to, be, to have the same conflict. And in a sense, I join them together and develop mutual empathy by showing them that they have the same conflict and they're just battling one another and it's out of control. And once they start to get that and work together, they stop blaming one another and they say, yeah, we've got this like, this, like disease, man, and we've got to work together to fix this thing. Got it. It's interesting. And I, I understand that, you know, I think it's bringing that awareness to them that they have this commonality and they're kind of battling with each other. doesn't mean they have to leave each other. Not at all, uh, but, but in reality, uh, the, uh, when an internalized conflict, and as you, as you know, as a psychiatrist, they're extremely difficult to, to change. You have to put a lot of work and you have to want it really bad. I always say to change, you have to almost hate your symptoms. And so a lot of people just can't do it or they don't want to put the work yeah, in. And I, per, and I understand that. I have empathy for people who, you know, have to split up. I'm not one of those marital therapists or couple therapists who say, you've got to stay together. It's the right thing to do. It's, it's, you know, but some people can't do it. They can't make that happen because it, it takes right. a lot. And in couples therapy, it takes both people to want to work on that conflict at the same time. I agree. Janice, what do you think about two things? One is couples, should they stay together or not? Like as a therapist, should, do you think people should stay together, work hard, or, or should they call it quits? Well, that's a case-by-case situation. I mean, look, I know what it's like out there in terms of the singles-slash-divorced-slash-widowed world. Right. And let me tell you, the grass is not greener on the other side. I mean, I just had my 29th anniversary on Tuesday, and I'm with my husband 31 and a half years. Congratulations. And thank you. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, everything every day of the week is perfect. I mean, we get into some world wars. I'm sure. But at the end of the day... I love the institution of marriage, 31 and a half years later, and the chemistry is wicked, 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 wicked. And it's greater than great to be married to someone that you can laugh with, who's your best friend, who you can communicate with, who you trust, and, you know, who loves you more than you love them. And you can fight them. (laughs) Well, you know what? They say that quarreling or little arguments are good. It makes a marriage healthier and yeah. stronger. Yeah. I mean, look, if, peop- if two people are at each other's throats and it's irreconcilable differences, then chances are it's not going to work. And right. Stephen should basically tell them, you know what, 
this is not going to work. Right. But, I mean, I've known people, and that's one of the reasons why I won't take men that are separated or women that are separated, because not many, but I have had couples go back after, oh, you yeah. know, 27 years. Interesting. Oh, absolutely. I had one guy. Whoa, was he hot. And he was so in love with his wife, and they split up, and he was devastated. And he went, and he got his own apartment, and he went through all the changes and the whole nine yards. And then I didn't hear from him. And I called him, and he said, I went back to my wife, and everything is wonderful. And I said, you know, I'm really happy for you. Yeah. I'm really happy for you. I think it takes a stronger person, whether it's a man or a woman, to seek out therapy right. and try to work things out before just walking away. Exactly. It's not the easy way out. Exactly. You don't just... Look, if you have history together, and obviously if you were married a really long time and you have children together in the whole nine yards, why would you just walk away? Because it's so easy to get divorced, and you think, oh, well, I'm going to go get a younger woman, or I'm going to this, or I'm right. going to that. It doesn't work. Right. It's hard work uh, to stay together. I agree, and, and uh, I absolutely agree. And by the same token, uh, I, I have seen couples in which uh, it looks pretty bleak, and they're just hanging on because of uh, dependency issues. Right. Uh, financially, emotionally, and in some cases, the woman is, her biological clock is ticking, and uh, they need to make a decision. They, they need to evaluate whether they're going to really get through the thing and make the thing better and help it last. If not, I've seen people languish uh, for years yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that's painful to watch. It, it is painful, and you can't kind of, some, in some cases, you just can't get them to make a move. Let's do another voicemail. Hi, Dr. Sophie. How are you? I was calling to ask you a question about dating today. You know, I've been going on really crummy dates and dating, like, a really a lot of crummy guys, and a bunch of my friends keep setting me up on blind dates. My question is, like, what's, what should I look for in a partner? You know, like, I know the things I want, but how can you differentiate someone who is, you know, a blind date that will last two or three nights or someone that you could potentially see yourself with? You know, I would really appreciate some feedback, and I hope to hear back from you. Okay? Thanks. Bye. Janice, what do you think? Well, first of all, very important question. How old is she? She sounds like she's two. Yeah, case in point. But if she's not, emotionally she sounds like she's two. Mm-hmm. Well, it would depend. Look, you can't, without meeting someone, you surely can't tell them what they're looking for. Right. I mean, obviously people want, it depends on her profile. A, of what she's looking for and what she has to offer. I mean, women want intelligence, sense of humor, character, great personality, kindness, genuine, generous, romantic, spontaneous. I mean, I could go on and on with the Ooh, list. But there's nothing in there physical I didn't hear. Well, again, it, I, I would have to talk to her and hear how old is she. I mean, if she tells me she's 21 or 23, I would tell her to go have fun and, like, don't worry about it for five or six years. Well, the physical, uh, well, first of all, I would, I would uh, ask her her relationship history. For example, uh, she's looking for somebody. I would want to know who she's picked in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that will give her a real indication of who not to look for because, or who to look for. I mean, I would ask her, what, did anybody break up with her? Or did anybody cheat on her? What kind of guys did she used to go out with? Well, uh, very maybe there's important a question also, important. Stephen, is are right. her parents still married? Right. Or well, has her father been married right. five times? Exactly. Well, I hear that all day long. And yep. then I look across the table from a 35-year-old girl who's a 10, and I say, and they wonder why you're single? Exactly. Like, sure. What kind I of mean, a role model do you have? Right. right. Well, what, what, I, what I would say, I would, I would ask her about her relationship history, and you usually find a pattern of things that went wrong. She'll usually have, probably have picked the same kind of person mm-hmm. over and over again. And yeah. then I would go back and I would say, 
did this kind of person seem familiar to you from your family of origin? Was your father, you know, in other words, was your father like this, or was your mother like this? Right. How, what environment did you grow up in? And that will give her a real tip of what, what to look for, because she doesn't want to replicate. I mean, that's the most important thing. Replicate what? Replicate a bad relationship. The past. Okay, yeah. so not pick somebody like her father or mother or whatever, or not pick the same kind of guy that doesn't work for her. Well, yeah. women go after traits of their father, and men marry their mothers. No matter what. I mean, I've got a 53-year-old, unbelievably perfect guy, and all he talks about at lunch is, you know, my mother was a model when she was younger. That's great. So you're looking for someone like your mother, exactly. and you're 53, and you've never been married, and you wonder why. Well, he makes it clear for you, at least. You know what to go after for him. But, but I, I, think, I think, and this is my psychoanalytic bent, I, I think that, uh, that a man can uh, marry his father. How? I, I think he can pick somebody like his father. He can pick, for example, a guy who grew up with an abusive father and a very passive mother can actually marry an abusive woman. Yeah? Why? I mean, I hear you, and I'm not saying I don't agree, but... Because, mean... because I think that um, if he develops a conflict between, um, uh, around how he's treated, he can get that from either parent. He, he might feel that uh, he needs to do some reparative work with his father or something, so he marries a woman like his father, or he might want to continue a struggle that he had with his father because he's still angry, and he's never been able to get over that anger, so he marries somebody to battle for the rest of his life. Uh, and he works it through that way. You see, that's another part of my, my book. I, I don't believe that we actually marry people to fix conflicts. I know that that's, you know, that's a, a popular uh, theory, but I, I believe that we actually pick people so that we don't have to change anything. And it feels comfortable, and we have to move forward. In a sense, yes. Interesting, interesting. You guys have been really wonderful. I want to talk about your books and where to find you. Janice, you're the woman. You go first. <laughs> well, I have two books that um, are out there. first one is Get Serious About Getting Married, 365 Proven Ways to Find Love in Less Than a Year. Very nice. And you can find it everywhere from Barnes & Noble to Amazon or on the homepage of my website. You can click on books and Amazon will get it to you in 24 hours. And there's a very extensive questionnaire in there on page 19 that I make women fill out before they do anything because it will show them exactly what we've been talking about, Great. what they're looking for, what they have to offer, what are their non-negotiables, et cetera, et cetera. And my second book is How to Date Men, Dating Secrets from America's Top Matchmaker, and that can also be found in all the same places. And my third book will be coming out within a year. Yeah, and I good can't job. Tell, tell you what the title is yet. All right, and we can find you at what, www.JaniceSpindelMatchmaker.com. Yes, and guess what? what? I am. I almost forgot to tell you, on Valentine's Day, I launched the number two, lovetoday.com, lovetoday.com, which, I might add, is the only Ooh. online dating site run by a true live matchmaker. Congratulations. Thanks. And that's what, love? TwoLoveToday.com. We'll be hitting it up. And you can sign up now for free, so everyone should take full advantage of that. And we will. Are you on Twitter, Facebook, any of that stuff? What do you think? Of course. <laughs> I'm a Twitter freak and a Facebook junkie, and I get men from Facebook and women from Facebook every day of the week. All right. What's your Twitter feed? Uh, everything is Janice Spindell. Got it. And all you have to do is go to my website and click on the icons, and it's on there. We'll do it. Steven, your turn. 
Okay, uh, my latest book is Magnetic Partners, Discover How the Hidden Conflict That Once Attracted You to Each Other Is Now Driving You Apart. Uh-huh. And if you're interested in my theories today, uh, then it might we be a, a good book to pick up. Uh, it's uh, published by Simon Schuster, and you can get it uh, off my website, magneticpartners.net, or at any local bookstore, or uh, barnesandnoble.com, or amazon.com, or even simonschuster.com. And uh, I also tweet, and uh, I'm on Facebook as well. I think you have to do that uh, when you publish a commercial book nowadays. You have to. And your uh, Twitter feed? Oh, uh, it's my name. Got it. All right, guys, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, and thank I you. wish all the people out there good luck. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye, guys. So, wow, that was a lot of information, a lot of fun stuff. You guys are going to really go out there, and I'm sure you're going to find the best dating partner you're ever going to find. You're going to know if they work for you in date number three or you're gone. There's a whole lot of stuff out there, but very interesting. We got the perspective from a matchmaker, Janice Spindell, and we got the perspective from a marriage family therapist, uh, Dr. Stephen Betchen, and they both had great perspectives. We took some voicemails, got some great answers, and they have wonderful books, wonderful websites, lots of resources for us to tap into. You can find Janice at www.janisbendelmatchmaker.com and you can find Stephen at www.stephenbetchen.com. Both great people, great websites, have a lot of good information. So reach out to them. We learned a lot today about relationships, about the potentials, about conflicts that go on inside of us that we don't even know about that attract us and pull us to the wrong kinds of people sometimes because we're not pulled to them to fix the conflict. I think what Stephen was telling us is we go there so we don't have to work on the conflict because it feels comfortable and we're probably getting lazy and that's why we end up in a bad situation. So, But Janice has a real way of going about digging into these people, sitting with them, actually almost dating them, practice dating them to figure out what it is they want. She definitely doesn't tolerate anybody who doesn't tell the truth. So we've got to take a look at some of her stuff. So again, we were talking about dating, partners, what's up, what's enough, when do you call it quits, who do you go toward, why do you go toward people, and it was really very interesting stuff. So one eight five five sophie now or one eight five five seven six seven four nine six six. Again, thank you to my experts today, Janice Spindell and Dr. Stephen Betchen. Thank you for all of you guys out there who listen and call in and send me voicemails and emails. I love it, and we need more. And always find these uh, great podcasts on my website, which is www.drsophie.com or give me a buzz at any time 24-7-1855 Sophie now or 1-855-767-4966 and my book side by side the revolutionary mother-daughter conflict resolution book and who doesn't need that mothers and daughters are made to argue you got to figure it out so grab a copy of that listen to me uh weekly here on the podcast i'm on twitter and i'm on facebook and don't forget to visit itunes to download the full version of andy Grammer's keep your head up and most importantly don't forget to sweep but you gotta keep your head up oh and you can let your head down hey you gotta keep your head up oh and you can let your head